On today's episode, old heads in sports continue to be old heads in sports. Surprise, surprise. The Nets could be getting Kyrie Irving back for home games, and that would be insane. The San Francisco 49ers continue to be in quarterback purgatory, and I explain why. And are we starting to run out of things to talk about in sports? Because unfortunately, it's starting to feel that way. But luckily, we have that and a whole lot more to talk about. All right, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Chopping It Up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. Today is Monday, February 28th. And in the intro, I mentioned two things that I'm basically just going to tie together and roll out and just get them out the way quick. First topic is these old heads. Seems like every two, three months, we get somebody who just crawls out the woodwork and says, this guy couldn't play when I played. And today's victim was Charles Oakley. Now, one, I don't even know where this thing came from. I don't know if there's beef between the two of them. I haven't done a whole lot of research on it. But the fact that Oakley came out of nowhere and just started throwing shade at Giannis seemed a little bit, it seemed a little bit odd to me. I don't really know wh- how this how this happens every year and they, it's, it's, they pick on somebody different. So now it's Giannis' turn, apparently. My personal opinion, Giannis would have probably actually been better in the 90s. It wasn't a three-point shot. He wouldn't have had to develop one. He could have just stayed the 6'11", literal Greek freak. Because that dude, it's he's a god. Like if, if there's three people who I look at through NBA history as far as just them being like the most physically toned people I've ever seen, it is Giannis, it's Dwight Howard, and it's David Robinson, who I think that is an alien out there. Now, Giannis, when he first got in the league, was not like that. He was a skinnier kid. And when I look at the evolution of his career, his body of work, and like literally just the body itself, would 20-year-old Giannis have made it in the 1990s? Probably not. He was he was skinnier back then. Like if you're put if you're putting this version of him in there, though. I think he's going to be all right. Because I think that one of the things that Giannis to me is a is an odd, he's an odd duck. Because I see the way he acted when he was, I think he was 19, 20. He got fouled on a layup. There's a video of him chasing down somebody and just pushing them from behind. That to me is somebody who upstairs probably has something going on where they're like, nope, mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm-mm. which I think can both be good and bad. And if we're just, if we're just doing it from the sports aspect, being in this era of basketball, he heard for the longest time, you can't shoot. And they were basically treating him the way they're treating Russell Westbrook now. Okay, go ahead, dog, go ahead and shoot. But the complex of you can't do this led him to add it to his game. Now he was trying to do it in season a few years ago and it was clank, clank, air ball, ratchet and clank, 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 air ball. And then when he had an off season, it started to kind of develop. Like, because if one thing for me, what I do hate what people do is if you come into the league as X, they assume that that's going to be your persona and that's going to be what your game is like for your entire career. Kawhi Leonard coming out of college was not a good shooter at all. Then became one of the better in-game three-point shooters that we had when he decides to play. 
But Giannis, like, if you just dropped him in the 90s and he, if you put this version of him in there now, I think he'd still be just as good, if not better, because he fits the mold of what you'd want to be if he's got that complex and he's got that, mm, no, you aren't getting me this. He's somebody where I've compared him to Dwight Howard offensively because I feel like their games are so predetermined, but they're so good at that one specific thing because their field goal percentage inside the key is like 800%. They just never, they never miss because if you're 6'11", 7 feet and you can jump out the gym, why the hell should you ever miss? Because one of the things that I've kind of compared these two on is, you know, Giannis will be like, okay, full head of steam. I am getting to the rim from the three-point line to the restricted area in two steps good luck. I'm going to find a way to get there. Same thing with, with Dwight Howard offensively. Dribble, dribble, drop baseline, yam on somebody. Rebound, put back, yam on somebody. For me, it's just like, it's not as aesthetically pleasing, especially for Giannis, because like he does, I know he plays for the Bucks, but he, he runs like a deer sometimes. It can sometimes be a little, little bit wonky, like when you see Bambi walk for the first time. That's kind of what it looks like to me. But to switch gears for a moment, like whenever I see an old head do this and wants to clown on the new kid, I want to say, okay, well, what if we reverse the roles? What if we drop you, Charles Oakley, into 2022? How would that age? And for me, the answer to that riddle would be not very good. Charles Oakley was an elevated goon, I think is the best way that I can describe him. You know, because there are some guys in the NBA that you were there for one reason. We got six fouls to use. You go ahead and use them. And hopefully you hurt somebody along the way. That's what it was. So like old basketball, old heads of fans want to say it was better back in my day or back in the day. It's not always that cut and dry. I don't want to see a fist fight in the middle of a basketball game. Like to me, that's not basketball. I don't understand. Like, it doesn't make, I don't feel like that makes me selfish. Is this supposed to be basketball? If you want to go watch MMA, go watch MMA. Now basketball guys largely don't fight. In the 90s, we had some fights. 80s and 90s, we, 70s, we had some fights. And then we had the Malice, the Palace as well. But these guys largely don't want to fight now anyways, because one, there's just too much money to be involved. And I think that everybody kind of understands that hierarchy and the brotherhood of, hey, I'm not trying to get in your pocket. Don't try to get in mine. But yeah, just because it was more physical back then doesn't necessarily mean that it was better. Now, we still had, there were some games, isolated incidences. Yeah, some 80s and 90s games were fantastic. Some people don't like as many threes are being taken right now. I'm not a fan of how many necessarily. But this is the NBA because like the analytics have somewhat taken over to not an extreme, but hey, if I got this thing that's worth 50% more than a mid-range jumper, go ahead and just scoot it back a couple more feet. Let's take that one instead and let's take it more often. And I guess to, to be fair to Oakley, maybe if he plays in this version of the NBA, maybe he does evolve and try to get that three-point shot and that, that becomes part of the arsenal. Maybe it does because again, I've already made the comparison Kawhi wasn't a great shooter then became a great shooter Giannis couldn't shoot at all and now it's respectable so maybe Oakley would have added it because he just would have had to to survive but if I'm taking just the resume of a Charles Oakley versus the resume of a Giannis Antetokounmpo and I'm saying hey which one would translate better into each league if you were to drop him into that time and space I think that Giannis would be better in that era than what Charles Oakley would be in this one and to kind of keep with the whole thing of you know I think we're running out of things to talk about is I saw one of the things that I hate about social media to a degree is I'm a part of just a bunch of pages, which is great because it does provide more content. But then I also see stuff like, good Lord, we're, we're really scraping for content 
to just make up weird ass analytics or not, not even analytics, but just, just random scenarios of, well, how can I discredit one thing now? And this is actually courtesy of NFL memes. So it's a pretty big site. So it's not like I was on some random rinky dink page or just one that doesn't have a whole lot of followers and it's just some rando hater just doing something. But it was from NFL memes. It's a, it's not a I'm not saying it's reputable because memes is in the title. But we're digging so deep just to talk about anything where it's passing yards should not include yards after catch changed my mind. I personally, I've actually thought about this a lot over like the last two decades or so. Because like you do see every once in a while where there's there's the bubble screen and it goes for 90 yards. But you've got guys like Dante Hall or Devin Hester and they they make 40 guys miss and then take it to the crib. There are plays like that where I've actually gone through my mind and said, you know what, no, you, no, we'll give you half. You know, you're passing yards, you can get like 45 of those 90. All 90 of the receiving yards are going to the receiver or running back, whatever the case is for that specific play. But no, 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 you, you can't be getting credit for all that, dog. But then there are the throws that you think, okay, well, if it's not on the money, there is no chance for a yards after catch, and it's just catch, completion, down by a tackle. But there are the perfect throws that are led perfectly, plays perfectly, Guy doesn't have to jump, doesn't have to bend down. You put it right on his hands and it is just off to the races. And those ones, I think, yes, you can get credit for that because without your throw being absolutely perfect, those other extra yak yards couldn't even count. I just thought that it was weird that, man, we're really doing this right now. Damn. We running out of things to talk about. So I wasn't sure what I was going to talk about first. Either Kyrie Irving, the New York City mandates, the Nets potentially getting back for home games, or the San Francisco 49ers, their quarterback situation. So I created a poll, and the 49ers won by a unanimous decision. Landslide. 100% of the votes. It was one nothing. I, it was my vote. So here we are. I am somebody who has been pretty critical of Jimmy Garoppolo over the years. There seems to be... A weird a weird following for Jimmy Garoppolo one way or the other. Either you completely hate him or you link him into like winner guy. It's it's really one or the other. I don't see a whole lot of in-between on the analysis of who he is. I did an episode a couple of weeks ago where we talked about winner guy and who gets classified as winner guy. It's always the guy that we can't really qualify as anything. We can't really say he's great at this, but the team keeps winning. So winner guy. We did that with Tim Tebow when he was in the pros. We did it with Blake Bortles because he got to an ASC championship game. We did it with Jared Goff initially because he went to a Super Bowl. We do these with quarterbacks that are being carried by teams, but every single damn time because the fans who are ignorant and say, well, this guy got us to a Super Bowl. We need to keep him. Then the owners listen, and then you're back to square one. You're paying these guys $30 million a year who don't deserve anywhere close to that. Now, I'm not somebody who is who stays in the camp of, well, no one's worth $30 million. Like That isn't my point. That's not where I'm standing on that. For me, it's just, how can you, how can you think that putting 20% of your salary cap into one person when you got 52 other active dudes that you got to pay is a good idea? Now, it's not that I don't understand how the marketplace works, because it is. And we always get in this, 
well, this guy got paid more than I, and I think that I'm better than him, and you don't want to lose me because of XYZ. But there are very few quarterbacks that I believe make you that good where you go, yeah, you know what, we really can't afford to lose you. And to me, Jimmy Garoppolo is just not that guy. I don't consider him to be winner guy. I consider him to be, you didn't really lose it for us guy. And even sometimes you do that still. But the reason why I believe the Niners are in purgatory is because I think they overcommitted and put too many eggs in their basket to get Trey Lance. Now, this is somewhere I am not somebody who watches a lot of college football, so I don't claim to know everything about college football. But I have my buddy Dylan Larson on, who I do trust because I know that he knows his stuff. So when we were talking about the draft, he goes, I expect the Niners to go get Trey Lance. And he had, he had been saying that for months and months and months. And one of my things was, well, he hasn't played a whole lot of ball. Are you sure that he's the guy? And he's going through Armtown and everything like that. And that's, and that's what everybody who's on NFL Live says as well. And as somebody who doesn't watch a lot of college football, I said, you know what? Okay, I'm going to trust your opinion on it. And Trey Lance might still be good, but this is the way that I'm looking at it from what when I see certain things unfold, it makes me think a certain way. And this is where I'm at with San Francisco. All through the playoffs, I thought, that's super weird that you don't even have a package developed for Trey Lance to to utilize his talents, whether it's in the red zone, short yardage, something. You don't have anything for this kid, regardless if he's a rookie or not. You don't have anything planned for him. So you had minimal snaps in the regular season and you weren't good enough to beat out Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's the whole point of, well, the team's winning. Okay. Well, could you be winning by more? Could you be getting this guy more reps more often? Could you have gotten a better seed? Like, is there something you could have done to make train last more ready? Or was he just not ready? And if you give up as much as you did, you better sure as hell know what you're getting out of a kid. And with the limited experience he had in college, that's something that I was always like, I don't, I just don't know if this is the right decision. So San Francisco to me is almost in the same position that Green Bay is in. Now, San Francisco gave up way more to go up to move to get Trey Lance. But them and Green Bay are both like, oh, we we overreached on somebody. We have no idea if the guy that we drafted could even play. So now you might be stuck with Garoppolo again. And I just don't know if that's the right move, man. Like I don't know how they would make it work to, to bring him back for another year if they're going to really fully extend him, try to trade him, try to trade Trey Lance, do something. I don't know, but I just feel like San Francisco shot themselves in the foot because San Francisco did. They saw the flaws in Jimmy Garoppolo because if you didn't think that Jimmy Garoppolo was the guy, you don't move up to number three and give up multiple first-round picks for a guy that you don't think can play. And you make that move because you know that Jimmy Garoppolo can't. Like, that's where the disconnect of this trade is with me and why it's so wild that it happened and how they gave up so much. Not just how much they gave up to get him, because that's something where that is the quarterback market, right? If you don't have one, then you're screwed. And I don't submit to that rule either. Because when we look at the quarterback situation, since the year 2000, I've mentioned this a couple times, like Brady's got seven of them. The Manning's got four or five of them. Roethlisberger's got a couple. Like, there's a handful of dudes who own hardware since the year 2000. If you don't have one of those guys, and Eli Manning doesn't fall on that, so don't even, don't even do that. But I think what you need to realize is that there's so much talent, and maybe not the quarterback position, because all, all these kids can throw. That's the thing is like, if you're just doing seven on sevens, everybody looks great. But once you start getting into real game speed and things like that, are they going to be able to process information quick enough, be able to pick up blitzes, line protect, Things like that, hot routes, can they do all of that in a short amount of time? 
And I, there's so few that I believe can do that. And the people who have and can are the reason why they're at the top five list. And that, that quarterback hierarchy largely hasn't moved over the past 10 years or so. Now, some of them have fallen off and retired, but even these kids that are, that have been good the last few years, you're going to start having to pay them the $40 million a year too. Like Lamar Jackson is probably going to get $40 million a year because of his regular season record, never had a losing season. Like, well, he's been the starting quarterback. I know they missed it this year, but like before he got injured this year, he has the MVP and the winning percentages and things of that under his belt where he's going to use that as his leverage so he can get paid just an absurd amount of money. We're already two years into the Justin Herbert project and you guys haven't made the playoffs. Like this is just at some point in time, you're going to have to redirect your financing to stop paying these dudes $40 million a year. Now, the other part of this, when it comes to the finance part is the salary cap is only, it's going to start increasing again, right? We had a down slow a couple years ago at the beginning of the pandemic and now things are ticking back up. So some of these deals aren't going to look as bad, even though they're bad, but then it's just going to reset the market again and you're going to have to pay him again when that contract is up. Like so like Justin Herbert, for example, he's two years into his deal now. In a couple of years, he's going to want an extension. So you're going to lock him in for, he's going to want probably a shorter deal because he understands that mindset. His agent understands that mindset of, well, salary cap's going to keep going up. I'm just going to shorten these deals for like three, four years instead of doing like the seven, eight year extensions because then you're just going to have to redo it anyways because these contracts don't mean anything in the NFL anyways. But if you do like a three-year deal, get all of it guaranteed, try to do something like a Kirk Cousins type deal, but you'll get more because you're more talented than Kirk Cousins if you're Justin Herbert. But then it just resets resets the market again and then you're back in the same, you're in square one spinning your wheels again. And this is just, you're betting on your team who's mediocre to catch lightning in a bottle because there really are just a couple of really, really good football teams a bunch of really bad ones and a bunch of just everybody who's floating around 500. And sometimes you win them. Sometimes you don't with the bad balance or bad call or something along those lines. So, and I don't know if, I don't know if it ever will happen or if it does when it will, but I feel like at some point in time when you're the GM, you have to realize, okay, you know, this guy's been here for six years or three years or four years and we haven't sniffed the playoffs yet. I'm going to have to own a bunch of money. We might as well restart it again because we haven't been very good anyways. There's no reason in keeping the guy here who just puts up stats but can't get W's because my team around him isn't any good. Or maybe he's not as good as I think that he actually is. But we get in this mindset of listening to fans too much, I think at least. I think these GMs listen to fans too much. And they just want to say, oh, look, we're committed to this guy. Well, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. Sorry, I went off a little bit more of a tangent. This became less of San Francisco, but... I really do think that they screwed the pooch on this one because you don't know if Trey Lance can play. Because if, like I said, man, if if you moved all those pieces to get Trey Lance, you don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo can play. But if Trey Lance can't beat out Jimmy Garoppolo, can Trey Lance even play? All right, so we're going to go and wrap up the show today with some Kyrie Irving talk. I had a couple of things that I wanted to get to, but I'm downloading Elden Ring right now and uh, kind of want to get some work in on that before I got to go pick up the kiddo from school. So Kyrie Irving talk. We're going to shut this joint down for the day and we might catch you guys on Wednesday. We have some people coming over to the house tomorrow because we had a lot of the wind damage and stuff like that from January that we talked about. Uh, so they're going to be in the house just kind of rummaging around. I won't be available for that. So we might catch you guys on Wednesday, but we'll, we'll wrap it up with some Kyrie talk for now. Now, this thing has been talked about where I, I believe that the, the line might be March 7th of when this thing might get 
turned around as far as the mandates for vaccinations and things, things like that. And cause obviously Kyrie is not vaccinated. And even as somebody who is like, I still appreciate that. We, we, we talked a little bit about Kyrie a couple months ago where I thought, you know, he said he wanted to be a voice for the voiceless. I'm like, well, you can't be a voice for the voiceless if you're not talking about it, but he, the man still has his principles. He's not raising a stink and a fuss about it, but he's got his reasons for it. And I can appreciate that. But when it comes to just basketball, I'm telling you what, Mark, I don't want to do Mark my words because I don't like, I don't like being Joe Namath guy with guarantees in case that thing blows in my face. Because whenever somebody does that and they say, Mark my words, or they say, I guarantee this will happen and it doesn't, the interwebs never forget and they always come back to troll that dude. So I'm not going to do that because I don't like being that guy. But to keep with the nets and kind of move over for just a moment with Ben Simmons, I had almost the same type of equation with him and uh, Blake Griffin. When he got to the Nets, everyone was just dogging him. I was like, oh, well, he hasn't had a dunk in, you know, four years being in uh, being in Detroit. And I said, look, once he gets to Brooklyn, it's going to be rejuvenated. Got to dunk like two games later. And that isn't really the benchmark of, oh, Blake Griffin's back because he had one dunk. That isn't what I'm doing. But even though he still struggled, he's still, it seemed like he was more engaged. I saw him diving for loose balls, which I never saw him do in Detroit. Getting a change of scenery, and I don't think it's necessarily that it's Brooklyn, but when you're so unhappy in your workspace, just getting out of another one can sometimes be that, I can finally breathe again. And I feel like that's what you're going to see with Ben Simmons. Once he actually comes back, comes back, I feel like that guy's going to be engaged, be a lockdown defender, and with those three, the thing we've always talked about is like, well, if everybody is healthy, and that's always been kind of, that's been the caveat of the Brooklyn Nets when everybody is healthy, but they haven't been, or they haven't been able to play because of COVID mandates. And at some point in time, the ifs get a little old, but I do want to see these three play together because Ben Simmons doesn't even have to shoot at this point in time. It doesn't even have to be on his mind. The Nets got shooters. He's a great defender and facilitator. I feel like if you could just put all together and get those guys on the court enough together, especially in the playoffs, if nobody misses any, any games, Brooklyn's going to be a problem. And I think that Ben Simmons, his mentals are going to be just fine once he starts to get back on the court and plays with those two dudes specifically. And to get back to Kyrie more specifically, though, the dude can play half the games if he wants to, and he's still great. Like, it's crazy. He has He's hardly played, and he still went and just dropped 40 the other night. Like, Kyrie Irving is, an, is a stud basketball player. And of course, just like with society and social media, it's, oh, well, if you miss games, it's because you're selfish or it's because of this. It's, it can be a little bit of both. It can be selfishness. It can also be because you do have your principles. And the thing is, like, it feels like the games that he is allowed to play, like he's he's been engaged and it doesn't seem like it's really been that big of a distraction to the team. Like, obviously, they've struggled. They had a 9-10 game losing streak. But that was also a lot to do with James Harden, too. But putting those three guys together, and I don't know what the timetable is for Ben to come back. But when they get it all put together, I think it's going to look really good on paper. And, and speaking of paper, I think that the, the core of those three guys is still under contract for next year as well, I believe. So if you don't have to mess around with it too much, you could potentially run this thing back and really see what these three guys can look like when they're all together for a full season. And that would be nasty. But yeah, all in all, like, I'm happy for Kyrie. I think that he's a good dude. I think one of the things we run into sometimes is because... Kyrie Irving is a really smart dude. Sometimes he thinks that he's the smartest guy in the room and it comes across that way and it could be a little bit off-putting. But I feel overall he's still a good dude 
And I think his heart's in the right place, but sometimes the message gets a little bit convoluted in the way he's trying to convey it. But hopefully they do lift the mandate. And like, he's still being careful from what I understand. And as long as he's still doing that and, and protecting others to the best of his ability, I think that this is a good thing for him. And I'm glad to see that he'll be able to play home games, hopefully at least. And we can really see what this Brooklyn Nets team is supposed to be. All right, you've been listening to Chop It Up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. As always, everyone, stay up, stay blessed. We'll catch you on the next one.